everybody. We're back again with another episode of Metaphor, Lifeplex's own podcast. And in this podcast, we normally talk about concepts in Web3 and blockchain. We talk about how businesses are adopting it. We talk about new concepts. But today we have with us Oracle, Mark Rachmilovich. And Mark is going to talk to us about how Oracle looks at blockchain, how enterprises will be adopting blockchain, and how the partnership between Lifeplex and Oracle is going to change the way businesses operate. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mira. Thanks for having me. Now, let's talk about how Oracle is looking at blockchain as a product, and how do you think businesses are going to adopt it? Um. We have uh, we have been uh, looking at uh, providing blockchain capabilities to our customers, and our customers, of course, from Oracle perspective, largely uh, enterprises and government organizations, and you know, medium enterprises, sometimes small enterprises, but uh, you know, companies. Uh, we are not a B2C company by any means. So uh, when we started down this path, and this is going back over five, six years ago, uh, we saw the value proposition being that. Uh, you know, companies can uh, join to do uh, business transactions together, share data in a trusted ledger uh, to solve the kind of ecosystem challenges that you typically see with, uh, you know, B2B transactions. Uh, when you see, uh, you know, supply chain, of course, is a great example, right? There is a lot of uh, inconsistencies and in data reconciliation that happens uh, after the fact, uh, whether it's financial transactions or you know, product inventory shipments or product history, traceability, provenance, where it came from, uh, you know, and uh, many other things where companies have to work together. In the past, this was usually done in an API-driven manner, point to point. Uh, In the best cases, in the worst cases, this was done by exchanging spreadsheets that somebody would attach to an email. It was very common for customers to, you know, extract data from their ERP system, maybe or their database, put in a spreadsheet, send it to somebody else, get an update as an email response with spreadsheet attached, and then, you know, go into the system and manually re-enter the data. So you have all of the challenges that the data was not verified. Uh, It created opportunity for human error, for fraud, for mistyping. And at the end of the day, then somebody had to get on the phone and reconcile things that didn't match. So we saw that as a great opportunity when we introduced our blockchain platform um, which is enterprise-focused based on Hyperledger Fabric from Linux Foundation in 2018, in the summer of 2018. Uh, you know, so it's been six years, uh, and sorry, five years now, and uh, we have a number of customers that have started down that path. And so enterprise blockchain has been, uh, you know, strong focus for us. But lately we have seen some changes as well, and we can talk about, you know, how customers are beginning to think about Web3 capabilities, decentralized capabilities, and to take advantage of them, particularly in B2C enterprises, but also in some B2B cases. Absolutely. And we've seen that change through, you know, our process of selling uh, a Web or Web3 APIs as well. Uh, what, what we've seen is that there is a greater understanding towards Web3 and how it will solve a lot of bottlenecks that exist today in a very Web2 environment. Now, when customers approach you, I think a lot of customers are still emerging to understand this technology. Uh, how does how does Oracle take it to their customer base? How do Oracle Oracle teams uh, position it with their legacy customers? Oracle's been around for 
many, many, many de decades in, inside these accounts. But then mm -hmm. when you go and change the way these accounts are operating or tell them that there's a better way of operating, how do, how do your businesses, how do these enterprises look at it? Absolutely. So, so there's sort of two main approaches, I would say, that we see. There are customers that come to us because they are interested in doing things on the blockchain. They've already found some uh, examples maybe in the industry from maybe their competitors. Uh, and they're curious about, you know, how they could get started in that space. So they might have some understanding and maybe a use case in mind that's relevant to the industry. So, you know, that that's a great starting point. We could then help them to explore that. We have sort of this overall uh, methodology that starts with the discovery, trying to understand the customer use case in mind, as well as educate them on what's happening relevant to the industry. Oracle operates across 20, 30 industries, right? You know, uh, very broad. And so we try to be very vertically oriented in those conversations. Uh, and then we can help customer figure out how to do a design of a you know, set of capabilities that blockchain can enable, integrate with the existing systems, how to create and uh, onboard an ecosystem of partners and so on. And you know, that kind of evolves into building an actual prototype and MVP perhaps and taking it from there. There are other situations where we actually uh, begins the conversation from our end by uh, helping customer visualize how a blockchain-enabled capability can solve a particular problems they have. So they might have some issues around uh, mismatches in, you know, the shipping information or mismatches in financial transactions across, you know, let's say a conglomerate that does a lot of intercompany transactions where they buy and sell from different lines of businesses. We had a great example, a story that was publicized actually by General Electric based on a project that we worked with them. They operate G Aviation, G Health, G Power, G Renewables. There is a lot of different businesses and many of them buy and sell from each other and well from corporate to the tune of 4 million intercompany transactions a year. And they have a centralized system that they built the mainframe base 25 years ago to help manage that and reconcile because each of those lines of businesses has not one, but multiple ERP systems, right? They all grew from different companies uh, and they operate across the world. So there are separate legal entities. I mean, EG Aviation alone has like 55, 60 different legal entities around the world. So uh, having those transactions all be available in a shared ledger and be able to reconcile purchase orders and uh, invoices and you know whatever receipt information, shipping information, uh, or you know, in case of services, some kind of a documentation around services delivery uh, in a way that smart contracts can verify, they can check and make sure that it matches against the company kind of standards and whatever intercompany agreements exist around particular transactions, amounts, dates, those kind of things uh, was very helpful. And so we actually started the conversation with them about modernizing that in the company billing system. And uh, we very quickly got to the point where it became clear that the distributed ledger and smart contracts were the best approach for that. Um, and so we went down the path and then, you know, educated them on the capabilities and worked with the enterprise architects uh, in the finance team uh, who was driving this primarily uh, to help uh, implement. Uh, there's multiple ways of POCs and pilots and all of that that went into that exploratory process. Uh, so in some cases, you know, we bring uh, the concepts and the value proposition of the blockchain into the conversation. Um, and uh, we try to do that, of course, you know, from a product management perspective, I try to enable our sales teams around the world and business development folks uh, to be capable of those conversations, right, and share with them examples across different industries and types of use cases. 
uh, and enables them to have the conversation with a customer. Uh, and in other cases, customer comes in and says, you know, I have some interest in understanding better how to leverage blockchain. And or maybe I've done something, I've done some research, maybe I've tried something and it didn't quite work out, you know, because it's a complex technology, right? There's a lot of moving parts. So can, you know, can you guys help me? Because I heard that Oracle's doing some things in that area. So Absolutely. And this has been a big challenge for everybody in this new industry. And, you know, when I when I look at this, I think it is a digital transformation process. And there's a lot of consulting required to get the customer to not only experiment with with new technology, but also to adapt it. But but when you see the results and the amount of money that they will save and the effort they will save and how they will modernize their technology um, and, and, and upgrade it to what is what what are the possibility by uh, of using technology, I think this is a right. great uh, avenue for uh, enterprises to look at. Now, Oracle also offers its blockchain on premise. Uh, as well as on the cloud. And that is another big um, element of why we as Lightflex partnered uh, with Oracle as well. Uh, of course, you know, the block, there's so many blockchains, there's uh, absolute interoperability and Lightflex integrates with most blockchains that there are public or private. However, uh, the fundamental for Oracle ha is, is that flexibility, uh, ease with which a blockchain network can be created. Right how uh, you know you can literally uh, move yourself into an open interop interoperable and multi-cloud uh, blockchain as well and of course um, you know uh, how the apis work uh, throughout uh, throughout the process now lifelex apis integrate into the oracle chain and this is a partnership that we have led over the last few months and now it's finally live yeah. so so can can we talk a little bit more about how you see this partnership grow but also how do you see enterprises are going to benefit from this totally new world of digital assets this totally new world of smart contracts absolutely yeah so you know as you said uh flexibility and ease of adoption have been sort of our mantra from day one um you know we want to make blockchain easy and quick and simple to adopt. Uh, we want to make it easy for people to experiment with use cases, right? They need to be able to quickly, without a lot of cost and time, explore various things. So we've done a lot of work, whether it's low-code development tools that can automatically generate the smart contracts from specifications, or ease of deployment as a managed service that takes you 10, 15 minutes and you can stand up the full environment in Oracle Cloud. It takes a little bit longer, perhaps, using our on-premises version, which has a blockchain platform manager that kind of simulates a cloud environment, but you have to provide your own hardware, you know, your own infrastructure, network connectivity, and all that. Um, and of course, you can bring the two of them together. You can operate in a hybrid mode where you have both on-premise nodes and cloud nodes, and different partners in the organizations in the ecosystem can decide how they operate. And even if they want to bring in a non-Oracle Hyperledger Fabric node, we can do that as well, and we can interoperate. This was one of our uh, sort of a marquee. Uh, you know, highlights, I guess, when we launched in 2018, it said we'll be interoperable with other Hyperledger Fabric nodes out there from other vendors and other clouds. And so multi-cloud's been there from day one. Um, that flexibility uh, is very important because companies operate in different ecosystems. Sometimes they have an ability to say, okay, you're going to do things in a particular way because we're going to kind of mandate it. In other cases, they have to fit in with what the IT uh, preferences, uh, cloud vendor choices, et cetera, of their partners are. Sometimes they operate in countries where data sovereignty requirements do not allow them to go into a public cloud in another country, right? So we have, you know, Oracle Cloud infrastructures now available, I think, in something close to 40 regions around the world, but there's 150, 60 countries. So we're not in every country. And some countries, 
you know, says that, okay, you have to deploy the data. You have to deploy a blockchain node locally for data sovereignty requirements. You can link it to other nodes in other countries, but your node has to be local here. So we have this on-premise capability as well. Um, so all of those things are meant to, uh, you know, remove the barriers. When we want customers to think about blockchain technology, we want them to think about the use case and the value proposition. And we'll take care of removing all of the barriers and the complexity and simplifying this and sending up the environment for them, whether it's on-premises in the cloud, even third-party cloud for that matter. Um, and you know, one of the one of the interesting things that we have seen is as we started removing a lot of barriers from an infrastructure perspective, the remaining barrier has always been in complexity of creating applications, right? So let's say I got those infrastructure, it's great, it's scalable, it's performant, I can do it hybrid or I can deploy it in the you know in the Oracle Cloud, whatever that means, or I can expand maybe my ecosystem partners. How I'm going to get value without having an application sitting on top of the blockchain and doing something specific to the industry I'm in and you know whether it's a supply chain or you know it's uh, other things. And so we began seeing the concept of digital assets and more to the point portable digital assets, tokens essentially um, becoming really important in the last couple of years from an enterprise perspective uh, because they see that as a way to standardize an approach, right? It's, I mean, you know, what is a token? It's basically a way to represent certain objects in a digital world, in a blockchain, and have certain methods that are standardized, right? You can mint it, you can burn it, you can transfer it, whether it's fungible or non-fungible, certain operations. So you can essentially take an approach that says, okay, I'm going to treat some document exchange using NFT um, tokens because I like what NFT tokens provide out of the box. And then whatever delta I have to customize on top of that for my document exchange is minimal. We have examples of doing that. There is a project rolling out in India right now in a trade finance space called Secure Document Exchange. Uh, we're working with uh, Robert Borsch and some local uh, companies in India and some banks uh, that are using essentially our NFT implementation to create a document exchange for trade finance so banks can exchange documents that they used to exchange on paper before and so on. Uh, there are other cases where somebody wants to monetize certain transactions, they're creating an ecosystem and they want to charge for services. Our blockchain platform is not transaction-based pricing. We have it based on the consumption and the size and the scale of, you know, a uh, number of cores that you deploy, et cetera. But some customers then want to operate their network and charge. And so they use our fungible token support that we've created on top of Hyperledger Fabric to be able to monetize the services costs and charge and then apportion the charges across different participants and so on. Um, you know, there is also uh, perfect examples, of course, in, uh, you know, uh, central bank digital currencies. That's another area where we participate in, and that's all based on fungible tokens and digital currency created based on that under the auspices of a central bank, working with, you know, the commercial banks and an intercompany use case, et cetera. So uh, we're beginning to see the importance of tokenization as an enabler of doing things in the most standardized. And standardized really means it's cheaper and easier and faster. And you can get people to get around it, understanding the concept because they already understand tokenization. And you can have developers and add value in those unique areas rather than worrying about, okay, how to represent the data, how to make sure everybody calls the same methods and all of that. That's built in out of the box capability. And so what LivePlex you know, brings to this partnership is another set of APIs and capabilities that is standardizing how you manage NFTs, how you create and set up an NFT platform, and then you can add the you know, immersive capabilities you know, through Metaverse and so on as well 
for various you know use cases and so that's how we're together working to uh, make it easier ultimately for enterprises to stand up solutions um, around nft platforms uh, metaverse capabilities in in a variety of areas whether it's you know fan engagement or you know custom engagement loyalty and rewards programs it's a great case of uh, tokenization and many companies now that uh, you know traditionally been very strong in loyalty and rewards are leveraging tokenization to support multi-brand loyalty systems where you can exchange loyalty points easily online. You don't have to wait 60 days for your loyalty points from one company to show up in another company's balance. And uh, you can then extend that also to create, for example, NFT-based rewards for certain levels of achievement in the loyalty program or rewards for certain amounts of spend or other things that you know becoming very popular access to events maybe special vip passes and you know it's um you know it's um it's very broad and i think very you know open-ended world out there when it comes to using the organization absolutely and we have together approached many many such business um um uh, verticals for example we approach media and entertainment loyalty rewards we uh, approach corporate training as a separate um, right. uh, uh, model utilities are a very big example of how to integrate how the future of util- utilities is going to be driven through exchanges based on blockchain telcos of course fashion industry, we have esports and gaming, which is again, GameFi is a future where, where where interoperability and digital assets can be taken out of the game and owned right. and, and IP managed. Um, insurance is another such uh, vertical that we're looking at in a very uh, subjective way, but also in a way, innovation, innovating the insurance processes by using smart contracts and digitization and tokenization, yeah. healthcare, real estate, Retail, another big example of how you can not only manage supply chain in retail, but also develop immersive experiences for customers uh, wherever in the world they are. Um, public sector, again, is another big example of hospitality, education. But one of the biggest ones also has been um, uh, banking and finance, as, as we said, with currencies, with, with the development of uh, immersive lounges for banks, but also virtual branches, which is the future of banking and finance, a bank that's available all the time with uh, with sure. AI assistance. And, you know, there is sort of this interesting concept that we've seen about embedded banking, right? So, you know, Oracle provides a lot of applications, ERP systems, point of sale, uh, you know, supply chain management and on and on. And many of them at some point involve a financial transaction. So we've been working with a lot of banks to basically have a bank inside the application, right? And embedded through APIs, financial services, and we've partnered with some banks to do that. We're now beginning to see uh, something analogous from a metaverse perspective where uh, certain banks in some countries uh, want to be able to exist as a virtual branch, not just standalone, yes. but for example, uh, there is a conversation, a process going on with a bank in India where they want a virtual bank in every car dealership in the country that they can reach. So they become embedded with a car dealership through this virtual branch, avatars and you know, you basically can go in and you can set up your car loan and other things. And or they want to be embedded in, you know, every real estate office, right? So you're buying a house and there is a virtual bank right there to help, you know, you not just go in a portal and have to figure out how to navigate and what options are available, but you have a more immersive guided experience with an avatar that can take you through. And, uh, you know, whether it's using AI capabilities or sometimes there is human assisted stuff, uh, to actually be present there. So it's just expanding the reach. And 
taking those things which you used to think of as standalone and making them more embedded. Absolutely. And we've seen this happen. We've seen this change come through with a lot of, um, I think a lot of customers, a lot of business enterprises don't want to be labeled as behind the curve in terms of technology. And the more uh, uh, enterprises we talk to together and otherwise, uh, the more we feel that everybody wants to be here and they don't have a path to be here. And I think what our partnership does together is we are actually not only consulting them on that path, but also bringing them to a very easy way of moving to Web3. Um, how do you think, um, uh, what do you think the adoption is going to be? Is it going to be as, as slow as Web1 to Web2 was? Or is this going to be accelerated because our world has changed after the pandemic? Right. No, the world has definitely changed. I mean, we have seen, you know, as a result of pandemic, people working remotely and so on. Uh, a lot of digital transformation initiatives that had kind of a 10-year vision got compressed into, you know, one or two years. So we are much further ahead as a result of that, you know. Um, but uh, I think uh, it's going to depend on industry by industry, right? Some industries tend to be more innovative. Um, you know, for example, if you look at, uh, you know, financial services, right? They, you know, always need, it's a very competitive environment, right? So they, you know, by definition, have to be extremely innovative and they have to really cater to sort of the new generation, right? I mean, the beginning, Absolutely. you know, to and, talk and, to and people. What we've, that seen, will... what we've seen yeah. with banking and finance as an industry has been a lot of in- innovation has happened in banking and finance over the last four to five years, but none of them have been banks. So all the innovation has been right. has happened with, with, with startups that are actually not real banks. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and some banks is it as a, you know, the threat, obviously, right? So they want to, Outcompete fintechs. I mean, sometimes you want to buy them and you know incorporate them and so on. But you know, uh, the you know the younger generation, uh, like you know, I mean, they have you know uh, two daughters who you know grown they out of the house. You know, they're working and so on, and you know they have you know their financial life, but they've never stepped inside the bank branch. They've never been physically in the bank branch. Everything they've done has been remote. Eighty percent of Gen Z yeah. and Zoomers do not have a bank account. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, that's even worse, right? So they basically do things, you know, with apps and, you know, Venmo's and, you know, Zelle. Exactly, exactly. And, and so on. That's but, where they you know, store and use the money. That's yeah. how they do finance. Exactly. So uh, that's where I think, you know, banks want to reach out to their generation and, you know, offer services that will be compelling. Uh, <laughs> and that's where some of the, you know, uh, Web3 capabilities come in. Uh, you know, the immersive capabilities, I think, are going to be important in customer service and those kind of customer onboarding. Um, and, and I think what, what we're going to see is uh, increasingly when it comes to content, digitization and standardized means of uh, managing content, distributing content, sharing content, monetizing content and so on. Um, and so for B2C companies that live and die by content, you know, and, and it's not just media and entertainment, of course, you know, there is a lot of content in other B2C related kind of, you know, industries or B2C focused uh, companies, um, they're increasingly going to have to be present there, you know, as, as part of that world. So, you know, uh, tokenization is important. Decentralized identity is another area that's going to be, I think, uh, quite important. We're beginning to do some work there and, you know, see some uh, strong interest. Um, and, uh, and interestingly enough, that is coming not only from, you know, uh, organizations that you would expect, you know, in B2C space, but uh, government organizations at the state level, 
there are some initiatives uh, that we recently worked on um, around decentralized identity and um, uh, you know uh, validate credentials and all of that stuff. Uh, an effort going on, for example, in state of Utah that recently got approved through the legislature process over the spring uh, is going to be going forward, uh, creating some capabilities in that space and uh, you know many others. Uh, so um, we also begin to see how enterprises want to bring those capabilities into their own environments. And even in the case of uh, B2B type situations, uh, they begin to see value in using Web3. Tokenization is a great example. Token in you know, a product tokenization. So for example, if you have a you know, production chain that maybe uh, outsources or you know, certain ingredients being used to create an intermediate product, another intermediate product, and ultimately some final products. We have a company we're working with right now in textile space, and there's multiple steps involved. But it, you know, from the time the raw ingredient becomes a finished product you buy in a store, a garment of some sort, right? And they want to track that because they provide those certified materials and um, they collect royalties as part of the process, but they want to be able to track that on a blockchain to have the visibility over that process. And there's multiple companies, multiple organizations involved in that and creating essentially product tokens that allows them to transform and consume. And, uh, you know, that helps with uh, traceability, that helps with uh, financial record keeping um, and so on. Uh, we're beginning to see uh, there is a case in um, uh, in Europe where uh, there is a, you know, a Ministry of Defense is looking to track some uh, parts going into the next generation you know, jets and so on in production process and design process, they want to have full traceability of all the components and where they came from, right? People are now very conscious about sourcing, right? And the countries they depend on, right? So they want to make sure that uh, they have traceability. If you can't trace it, you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right? So managing it's very critical now for all kinds of, you know, uh, you know national priorities and national security reasons and the like. Um, sustainability, ethical sourcing, that's another case. If yes, you can yes. trace things, and again, that tokenization is a great way of traceability of raw materials and into finished products, um, that's becoming important, uh, particularly in automotive industry, but you know, many other electric vehicle batteries, for example, with energy, the, with, with the retailer, the production, retailer, yeah. they want to they want to ensure that even every element of their supply chain is traceable so that not only can they manage the temperature using IoT devices linked to the blockchain, but they can manage yeah. the, 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 the shelf life of the food products yeah. that come to them through various supply chain mechanisms. So there are so many such um, um, big examples of how people are using the blockchain, how people are using tokenization and Web3. But, but honestly, for any enterprise with the need to efficiently manage their records or, or performance or, um, uh, or data, um, securely store it, access it, ensure data integrity and confidentiality, yeah. manage uh, data flows, uh, uh, automate repetitive tasks using smart contracts. Uh, this could just free up a lot of company time, not only company time, but make the entire process, uh, process very efficient and transparent. And that's exactly yeah. what every enterprise is striving to do, by right, cutting absolutely. costs, by making efficient processes happen. And I think block, we, we all think blockchain is the way yeah. forward for uh, businesses to um, to uh, really optimize their resources. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I agree very much. I mean, we have seen 
transformations inside the companies, right? With, you know, ERP systems, enterprise resource planning and the like. And that helps you to automate the processes inside your company. But companies now don't work by themselves. They are so dependent on the ecosystem, distributors, suppliers, and everybody else, and insurance companies and what have you, financial services. All of that is so interdependent that just being able to manage well inside your company is not good enough. You now need to be able to manage across your ecosystem and all of your partners. And that's where blockchain, distributed ledger technologies, and tokenization, frankly, comes in and provides some very strong capabilities. So here we are with uh, this week's podcast uh, with Marka Rachmovich from Oracle. And we've spoken about how blockchain can really transform business processes and make it more efficient and how Netflix and Oracle together approach the market to create this partnership that's a win-win, not only for us, but also anybody that works with us uh, in the enterprise space, because what we end up helping enterprises do is reduce costs and optimize their processes using the technology that is not going to be only uh, a new technology, uh, but but it's going to be transformative in, in, in a very new realm and how the customers, your customers of tomorrow are going to approach um, uh, the brands that they work with, because the customer Customers of tomorrow not only want their data secure, they want to also have the flexibility for for their their metaverses to be there, their internet to be interoperable. They want privacy and security, and they want to be able to uh, walk into immersive experiences, along with the fact that the, uh, that they they are working and they they support brands that have commitment to data security and privacy. So all of that Absolutely. is possible using the Web three technologies. Great. Thanks. Thank you so uh, much. What an interesting Mark, conversation. Me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And uh, hope to work work with you more on a win-win situation for not only ourselves, but our customers as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the customers have to see some tangible benefits, right? This is not just something you play with and explore as an educational experience. It has to be some real ROI, some win-win for the customers and their partners and the ecosystem. Absolutely. And that's basically what blockchain really brings to the table. Yeah. Always. All right. Thanks. Thank you.